0: Input Output Hi, this is Input Output, and I'm your host, Mark Yarm. Today on the Input Output podcast, we've got stories about DIY gaming PCs and Photoshop's weird trees. From Death Stranding to Cyberpunk 2077, lots of high-profile PC games are coming out in the second half of this year. And you're going to want a killer gaming PC to play them all. Luckily, InputMag.com Guide's editor, Evan Rogers, recently wrote a story on
1: how to build one for under $1,000. Here he is reading an excerpt from his piece. Because of COVID-19 related delays, the second half of 2020 is going to be packed with high profile PC game releases. Of particular note, to me anyway, are Cyberpunk 2077, which was pushed back to November 19. I love this town. The city of endless opportunity. Ready to get your cherry popped? Yeah, come on. Death Stranding, which is slated for release on July 14, and Horizon Zero Dawn, which is still listed as coming out summer of 2020. So what kind of PC do you need to play these hot new titles? And what's the best way to get the gear you need on the cheap? Thank you
0: very much for joining me on the show again, Evan.
1: No problem. Thank you. So you mentioned a few top titles coming out in the second half of this year. How much horsepower are these games going to need? So when I was looking over the specs list that came out for Death Stranding, I was actually a little bit surprised by how modest the specs that they list as their uh, recommended specs that you actually need. On the Intel side, like your your processor side, you don't really need anything in particular. You know, you need a strong desktop processor. But, you know, if you've got an i5 or, you know, a recent like Ryzen CPU in your computer, almost almost anything on a desktop that was released in the last few years, like you're going to be totally fine in that department. In the graphics card department, which, of course, since we're talking about, you know, obviously heavy 3D games this is where this is this is the most important part i was sort of surprised to find that they recommend a geforce gtx like 1600 1660 very middling graphics card there and then the Radeon RX 590 which was back in the day a very top end card but now it's something that you can easily get for like around $200. So the horsepower that you need is actually not as much as you might think as long as you're willing to play in 1080p. If you're trying to bump up to 4k obviously you're going to need something much more substantial but you know the PS4 and the PS4 Pro And the PS5 and PS5 Pro, you know, we're still talking about consoles that if you're comparing to them, then, you know, you can save a few dollars, but really for PC gamers, it's not just about, you know, saving a little bit of money. It's having a machine that's able to do everything in your life from high end 3D gaming to, you know, the productivity stuff that you need to do.
0: So in this article, you lay out how you can do this spending less than a thousand dollars. So that should be easily doable.
1: It would be easily doable. In most circumstances, but the supply chain problems that COVID-19 has presented make a couple of the parts on our list a little bit difficult to find. And one of them is, you know, sort of surprisingly power supplies. It's actually very difficult to find affordable power supplies these days just because they're sold out everywhere. Luckily, graphics cards are pretty available right now. So you will be able to go to a number of online stores and be able to find an RX 580, including Amazon, for, for very cheap or nvidia gtx 1660 or whatever they recommend all of those are pretty available but yeah there are some parts that are definitely more difficult to find hitting the price point though outside of sort of covid related supply problems should be very 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 simple you know a modest case a modest cpu and then like really biasing towards the graphics card should be no problem and we're talking about assembling pcs here how much
0: expertise you're going to need to actually put this together?
1: The expertise required to put together a PC these days is very low. I mean, you definitely need to be able to sort of think critically think on your feet about what's going on but it's really not that hard i mean basically you've got your board the cpu goes in the board the graphics cards goes in the slot and you hook it all up to a power supply and some buttons there are definitely some tricky bits that i recommend people sort of reference some youtube videos for the classic one is applying thermal paste welcome back to the workshop today we're going to be checking out different methods of applying thermal paste the line the p the the x the whatever we'll check them all out it's not uh Uh, rocket science but you should try to find some videos of how to apply it it can you know It can be a little bit stressful. But on the the other hand, I actually just assembled two PCs recently that came with their own heat sinks that go on top of the processor. And they already had the thermal paste pre-applied. So I think that for a lot of people, that's not even going to be a problem. So barring that, it should be pretty straightforward. So of the games that you mentioned, which is the one that
0: you're most looking forward to playing on your new PC?
1: I'm personally the most excited about Death Stranding. Death Stranding is just a, a genre of game that I personally really enjoy. Some people have sort of referred to it as a walking simulator. Beginning scan. Have a pleasant journey. Which is, uh, is sometimes used as like a little bit of a deridment, you know. But I find those kinds of games to be very relaxing. I like a game that's like... Mm, has has some punctuations of action but is you know pretty contemplative and and just relaxing i really enjoyed firewatch which was another game that people sort of derided as a walking simulator and it is i mean it is as close as you can get you literally just walk around in that game but that was a wonderful narrative experience and i'm not sure that i would call death stranding a wonderful narrative experience but it is a science fiction world that i'm very excited about exploring
0: You can follow Evan on Twitter at Evan Rogers. Now on to today's second story. Adobe Photoshop, the powerhouse photo editing software, recently celebrated its 30th anniversary.
2: Thomas Knoll, a doctoral student in computer science, wrote the initial code in 1987 and introduced it to his brother John, who worked at Industrial Light and Magic. The two brothers worked together on a fledging piece of software, then named Display.
0: To mark the occasion, frequent InputMag.com contributor Chris Stokel-Walker explored the secret history of one of Photoshop's weirdest most wonderful features, a filter for creating a wide variety of 3D-rendered trees. Here's Chris reading an
2: excerpt from his piece. At this point, you may have questions. Why do these trees exist in Photoshop? Out of the world's 60,000-plus species, why choose Fraxinus griffithi and Ficus microcarpa? And why do all the options look like they came from the PlayStation 2 era?
0: Thanks for joining me on the show, Chris. Thank you for having me, Mark. So what is the story behind the tree filter on Photoshop?
2: So this story came from you emailing me uh, and one of the designers at Input saying, there's this weird set of trees that exists in the sort of deepest, darkest corners of Photoshop.
0: To render a tree in Photoshop is very simple. All we have to do is go to filter, render, tree. I'm gonna go ahead and click that. Now here, you can pick between,
2: what, 34 different trees. 34 different tree options from all sorts of different types including a few mythical ones and you you kind of seem to set me the challenge of finding out what actually happened there and how it came about so i i started talking to adobe and they then got me in touch with a bunch of people who knew including a guy called daichi ito who was the research artist who actually developed the filter and it kind of spiraled from there in a, in a very odd way to learn about how they were developing this feature to test their deco engine to generate scripts for people who do all sorts of stuff and as they do with the sort of typical input story i think we kind of spooled out into a a really deep conversation about how nature and technology intertwine
0: and how do nature and technology intertwine as far as goes on photoshop
2: a lot of pixels and a lot of confusion you can literally put on a slider to decide how old your tree is and how many branches and what size leaves you want which I find a little bit weird it's very much like you are a creator you know that you you kind of have this godlike overview of everything so you know I found it a little bit sinister but along the way I also talked to the Ancient Tree Forum which was an organization I did not know existed until I typed it into Google and found out. And what did the Ancient Tree Forum person tell you? She said that it was the bomb. She said it was great that you could have trees on demand because obviously the Ancient Tree Forum, as you may imagine, were pretty eager to make sure that ancient trees were preserved and conserved for all time. So they were really keen on this idea. They thought that anything that raises awareness of the existence of trees and, and the kind of need to preserve them as we you know tarmac over paradise and things like that was super important.
0: So who's using the tree filter generally speaking?
2: My research into this seemed to uncover that actually not many professional graphic designers are using this. They like it because it is easy and quick, but they don't necessarily think it is perfect so often what they would do for instance if you were a graphic designer working for an architecture firm you would instead generally cut out trees because you actually get into the realms of the uncanny valley you know that kind of video game aspect where things look a little bit too realistic so you want to make sure that you you can kind of see the lines between reality and the matrix so they would generally just kind of cut out a general stock tree of an image and drop that into a render of a particular building. Um, But, you know, some of the designers that I talked to, they kind of enjoyed it in a really kitschy way. They thought, why on earth has Adobe developed this thing that is taking up so much time and effort, I suppose, and so many man hours to develop this sort of feature? And actually... It's kind of irrelevant but then they also have things like fire which is you know fire is always cool
0: fire definitely is <laughs> cool cool <laughs> fire what fire, is the uh, what's the coolest fire. aspect of the trees you think
2: i think the idea that they actually put not only pre-existing actual trees but they decided to put in a few that were weren't actually real you know they they kind of created uh mythical trees that they put in because I, I remember going through this and looking at what are the actual legitimate trees and what are the fake ones so you, you know latin is not my strong suit so i can't tell what is the difference between Fraxinus griffith I, which is legit and some of the other ones that are maybe not legit i mean once you get further down the uh, the list of trees to sort of number 31 and 32 which are stylized tree one and stylized tree two you kind of assume that they are actually completely fictional but um yeah i, I think what I, what I found so interesting was they spent all this time developing pretty realistic pretty lifelike representations of legitimate trees that you find in nature and then at some point A designer somewhere went, well, you know what, let's just make some weird ones as well.
0: You can follow Chris on Twitter at Stokel, and I am at Mark Yarm. For more news from the world of technology and culture, visit InputMag.com. You can click on the links in the show notes for the stories we discussed today. New episodes of Input Output are released three times a week. If you enjoyed what you heard, please give us a rating and review on iTunes you can find Input Output on your smart speaker or whichever podcast app you use. Thanks for listening.